Today we begin the series on gender and we're starting and looking at the book of Genesis. So I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 31. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. We live in a unique time in history, in which the topic of identity and gender is a lightning rod for fierce discussion and debate. In the midst of this climate, it is hard to see what is right, know what is true, and celebrate what is beautiful. We feel the weight of this cultural moment and the complexity that is before us, and yet are committed to journeying together to explore God's word and seek his vision. We do this with a deep longing for truth and a firm conviction that God's design for humanity is beautiful. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God has created us to bear his image. Male and female, he created us. What does that mean? And what does it mean at the moment, in this particular point in history? How do we... Uh, grab a hold of those truths and apply them in our context. I think in Victoria last week there were some discussions that they want to uh, move away from the terms mother and father. Uh, these are seen as terms that will uh, be unhelpful, that, that people will feel uh, excluded from those terms. You might say, well, okay, so what terms do we use then? Well, ANU, uh, Australian National University, um, suggests that we could use the terms uh, gestational parent um, for mum uh, and then for dad, I think it's the uh, non-biological uh, non no, non parent. Is that what it is? Um, as I kind of look at my children, I, I want to be called dad. Right? That, that, that's who I am. I'm their father and yet 
the term does have an edge for some people and it doesn't quite fit. Um, what do we do? These are complex times. And uh, I, I want to just begin by thinking about what does it mean to be a male in today's culture? So here's an article I found in an online magazine. Uh, the article was written in 2015 by uh, some male journalist. Uh, and he attended a conference on masculinities spearheaded by the Centre for the Study of Men and Masculinity. Okay, that sounds on topic. And we've got some experts there, some of the world's most prominent thinkers, who highlighted ways in which we can further gender equality. We get to the end of the article, and here's kind of the landing point. In an ideal world, all men would be feminists. Feminism, by definition, is fundamentally about equality. If we were to truly adopt this mentality, being a man would have nothing to do with traditional notions of masculinity. Rather, to be a man would simply mean to be human and to treat everyone else, regardless of sex, race, religion, age, or sexual orientation, as such. And what a wonderful world that would be. Okay, let me just try and distill that and summarise what I think this person is saying, right? They're saying that to be a male in the 21st century means to be a feminist, to have nothing to do with traditional notions of masculinity. Apparently, everything that happened in the past was wrong. There's nothing there that uh, is redeemable. Um, and to be male means to be human without reference to being male. Are, are you confused? Let me tell you, a lot of young males are, and you can kind of understand why. That, that, that's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the um, book 1984 by George Orwell. Uh, what happens in the book is there is a ministry for peace, which is actually about war. There's a ministry for love, which is actually about hate. And there is a ministry for truth, with that, which actually tells lies. And so there's a phrase called, Orwellian doublespeak. When I listen to what it means to be a male, I hear Orwellian doublespeak. It just doesn't compute for me some of what's being suggested. Well, is it any clearer for what it means to be a woman? And I'm going to use Amy Schumer as my kind of case in point. Uh, Amy is um, a female, uh, an American comedian, but she's one of these comedians who thinks comedy is social commentary and therefore she's not just a comedian but a social commentator as well, all right? Uh, we get those in Australia too, uh, you know, um, Pickering, for example. Uh, and here's her take. I say if I'm beautiful, I say if I'm strong, you will not determine my story, I will. And I think in those few lines, she's capturing much of the messaging about what it means to be a woman in the 21st century. You need to be self-confident and comfortable in your own skin. If you think you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Doesn't matter whether or not your body is shaped like uh, what we traditionally thought was beautiful. It's about what you think. And if you feel comfortable, then that's good for you. You're supposed to be strong. 
You're supposed to be in control of your story. You make choices about what it means for you to be the woman that you are. Uh, and you define yourself without reference to other people's stories. You're not somebody's husband or daughter or mother. You are you. And women are actually empowered by being female. Go, girl. Now, there's an obvious tension there, isn't there? Men are embarrassed about being males and women are empowered and celebrating what it means to be female. Unless you're not sure which you are. And that makes things even more complex and confusing. All right? And so we now live in a world where you may feel like a man in a woman's body, or you might feel like a man in a woman's body. And when I say that, you will think to yourself, actually, that's possible. Some people do think that. Some people do feel that. Some people experience that. Imagine if I'd have said that to my grandfather. There is such a thing as a man who feels like a woman in a man's body. He would have just rolled around on the floor and laughed. That statement would have made no sense to him. He would have said, that sounds like you're saying a fish that thinks it's a bird. And yet, now that statement does have some, some meaning to us. We now have underlying ideas that gender is about your internal feelings. It's not about your biology or your chromosomes. It's not what genitalia you do or don't have. It's not whether or not you've got an X or a Y chromosome. Gender is, for some people, primarily about who you feel you are. Uh, Male and female, they're just social constructs. The fact that we gave girls pink name tags and boys blue name tags. The fact that we gave um, girls dolls and we taught them to cook and we gave boys Lego and we gave them trucks to play in the sandpit. That has caused them to become who they are. And if we could just uh, reverse those constructs or swap those constructs or constraints, then people would be free to become who they truly were on the inside. That's the world in which we live. How do we think about that? And that's all confusing stuff, isn't it? And so let me just try and pull together those themes. My sense is we live in a world where there's silence and confusion about what it means to be male where there is bravado and celebration about what it means to be female. Um, you get to decide who the real, authentic you is. It's about your choice, not your biology or your chromosomes, nor society's gender typecasts. My sense is that kind of sums up the world in which we live. Now, let's just contrast that with classic Christian convictions. Yeah, sex is complex. Being a male or a female is difficult and at times tricky, and yet we believe God speaks into the chaos and into the silence. And when God speaks, we discover that God creates order out of chaos. And when God 
creates or when God orders, he makes things according to various kinds. There are kinds of birds and kinds of fish and there are two kinds of human beings. God created them male and female. And we also discover in Scripture, and we won't do it this week, but we'll begin this journey next week, that there are patterns, there are guidelines, there are normal parameters about what it means to be a male and a female. Now, there are also going to be exceptions, and some of them will be quite prominent exceptions. Just think briefly about, for instance, Joseph, uh, sorry, Jacob and Esau. Esau is hairy and he goes out hunting and he's an outdoorsy kind of a guy all right and his brother um, is a bit of a, what we might have historically called a mummy's boy and he stays at home and cooks and he's not hairy and he's not masculine and yet through whom does God's children and generations come to be it's the less traditional masculine of the two so there are exceptions that are included in God's narrative and there will be others Deborah for instance but nonetheless there are patterns in God's word about what it means to be male and female and if I can borrow the language of Psalm 139 God has knitted you and me together in our mother's wombs in a particular way and he has made us he knows us as, and I'm now going to go a little bit beyond Psalm 139, but he's knitted us together as males or females, as sons or daughters. And we relate to him within and through our gender. Well, we're going to turn to scripture in a minute, but I just want to remind us from uh, Psalm 119 that scripture is a light and a lamp. But try and put yourself into a mindset in 1000 BC, which is roughly when Psalm 119 is written. And think about a light or a lamp 3000 years ago. It's not something like this. It's not a massive light that illuminates for kilometres around and you can see into the future and you can see where you're going and where you've been. And No, a lamp at night just lets you see this step and maybe the next step and maybe half the step after and that's about it. And there are other things that are unclear, that are grey, that are in shadows. And yet, Scripture is still a light that helps us take the next step and the next step. And I need to say this because we live at a time where when someone like me stands up and interprets scripture and says, this is what God says, this is what his word says about what it means to be male and female, that some people will critique that. They'll do something like this, right? They will say, oh, Yes, I know that what you're saying about male and female, I know that some people read the Bible that way. I acknowledge there are some passages that point us there. But you know what? You think that because you're a white 50-plus-year-old male. 
and that's the way that you read the Bible. Or you think that because you're straight. Or you think that because you're a graduate of more college and they train you to think a particular way there. Or you think that because um, uh, you're not straight or because you're a female or because you're from this nationality. Or... And what we do is we label people and then once we've given them a label, we say, and because you're a white 50-plus-year-old male from Moore College, I can dismiss everything you say because you've got a bias, you've got a lens, and what you say is not the whole story. All right? I, we, we do that regularly. We're trained to do that. Your children are trained to do that in the way they interpret texts in high school English. And that happens in church too. And we find ourselves at a place at the moment where... Again, this is my read. Older and conservative Christians think all this talk of uh, gender inclusion, it's all mumbo-jumbo, it's all nonsense. We ought to just go back to the way things were when I was young. And I want to say to you, life doesn't have reverse. Uh, we are called to be the church and to embrace and engage with people who live in the 21st century. And that's a little bit more complex when it comes to the topic of gender than what it was in the 1960s. And whether or not you might see things really simply, children at school, teenagers, young adults, um, they will engage all sorts of messages and frameworks of thinking about gender and sexuality and identity that are completely different from what we heard in the 1960s. And we need to speak and lean into that conversation as well. We can't just simply go back and say, no, 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 it's wrong, next topic. There's another group of Christians, let's call them mainstream Christians, who kind of say, oh, this is, this is dangerous, this stuff, so it's, it might be just safer if we don't say anything. If we draw a line in the sand, we might find that some people stand on one side and other people on the other side, and we end up dividing, and so it might just be easier if we just kind of talk about less controversial things. Well, uh, I, I don't think uh, that's what we ought to do either. Our uh, children, our uh, teenagers, our families, we're parenting, we're being a community in a particular point in history and we've got to engage with the world that we're a part of. We've got to speak to the world that we're called to witness to. Uh, we also have some younger and progressive Christians who will reject, reject all positions, traditional positions, as naive, biased, judgmental. Yeah, we used to think that, but we now know better. Uh, that's kind of this label dismiss sort of approach. And I want to say, I don't think that's a genuine conversation. It's not about dismissing me because I'm white and male, but it's about saying, well, what do we think God loves and God says? And what are the patterns of maleness and femaleness that are revealed amongst God's people in Scripture? And how can we try and emulate those? And is it a good reading of the text, regardless of who's saying it? We all get to speak into this conversation. Um, 
And I think many of us are just kind of like, man, this topic is so complex, I don't know what the heck to make of it. And we're just befuddled. So, uh, let's lean in. And I want to um, begin with this. And it's in some ways actually not about gender or sexuality. Um, but it is at a moment in Israel's history where things are complex and messy and people aren't quite sure which way to jump. So, it's at the end of the reign of kings in the south. I think the north's off in exile already. Assyria is the great world power. And it makes sense to kind of copy the powers that be and imitate what is making the Assyrians successful. Their gods seem to be more powerful. Let's follow their gods, right? That's a logical kind of a conclusion. That's what seems to be working in the world at that point in time. And Hezekiah does what is right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. He removed the high places, cuts down the Asherah poles, and here's the key phrase I want to highlight. He trusted in the Lord. He holds fast to the Lord, and he doesn't depart. And so let's begin in this place. Do you trust God? And what he says about how he has made you and what it means to be a male or a female or a human being. Do you trust God or do you trust yourself and your feelings and the message that says that you're an expert on you? Who do you trust? Well, if we trust God, what do we know about what God has created? And I want to say something very briefly about Genesis chapter 1. It's a poem. It's a chorus. Right? It's got stanzas. That's pretty obvious. Uh, whatever genre it is, we could debate and we won't do that now. But uh, I think it's um, not up for dispute that it's some kind of a chorus with six verses. And Every day, the first three days, God defines some spaces. He creates some spaces. So in the first day, he separates light from darkness. In the second day, he separates waters below from the waters above. In day three, he separates the dry land from the sky. In other words, God orders all of the possible spaces and says there's two different kinds of spaces. Dark, light. Water here, water there. Dry land, sky. In the second set of three days, he then fills out those spaces. And so, in the day he puts the sun, and in the night he puts the stars and the moon. And that raises questions, of course. Well, hang on a sec, how could we have had days if we don't get a sun until day four, right? But, but I think you're over-reading poetry or um, if, if you start exploring those questions. I think um, the point of the second three days is God fills in an ordered way all the spaces that he created. And then at the pinnacle of his creation is man and woman made in his image. So let's just read a little bit of that. 
And God said, let the waters teem with living creatures. Let the birds fly over the earth. Uh, so God created creatures of the sea, every living creature with which the water teems and that moves in it and according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. So God creates kinds. There's order, there's structure, right? And it's good. And then we read at the pinnacle, God said, let us make mankind in our image. Only we are in God's image. A bird or a fish does not bear God's image. Only we bear his likeness. God created mankind in his image. In his image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, let's try to put some planks down for this series. And I've got a few to make. God has created, God has ordered everything. Whether or not you happen to believe God made the world in six days or there was some guided process of long evolution, that's uh, neither here nor there. The point is, God's guiding hand, his intentional purposes are evident in the way that the universe is ordered and structured and created. Secondly, we've been created with a purpose. We're not just some sort of an accident and we can now do whatever we want to do. No, God created us for a reason and our purpose flows from the creator who makes the creation. This is kind of like the, the, um, the clay doesn't get to say what it wants to be. No, the potter makes the clay for a purpose. Thirdly, both males and females bear God's image. Genesis 2 is different to Genesis 1. And in Genesis 2, Adam comes first and Eve comes second. What Genesis 1 does not say is God made Adam in his image and then later he made Eve. No, male and female, he created them. Equally, we are created and we bear God's image. Equally, we are commanded to rule over the birds and the fish. Equally, we are commanded to multiply and to bear children. Equally, we are invited into relationship because God is a relational triune God and we are made in his image. Fourth, males and females are similar and yet different. Now, immediately you'll be asking yourself, well, hang on a sec, how, where, how? Uh, We'll come to that next week. Um, But I just want to say that what we get from Genesis 1 is that there's these things called birds and there's these things called fish and there's these things called giraffes and there's things called humans. And humans are all like each other. Just like giraffes are like giraffes and birds are like birds. And so males and females are most like the opposite of their kind. And there are a lot of similarities. In fact, there are far more similarities between a male and a female than there are differences. But there are 
some distinctive features of what it means to be male and female. And we will explore those. Fifth, males and females are not good when alone. So we read Genesis 1. God looks and he sees that it's good. And then when he makes man and woman in his image, they are very good. But in Genesis 2, when Adam is alone and without Eve, it is not good for man to be alone. And so this is important. Somehow, Adam or a male is incomplete without Eve. He cannot fulfill the command to multiply without Eve. He cannot perhaps rule in a way that fully reflects God or worship or engage with God. In other words, we more fully bear God's image together. Uh, the Christian God, as revealed in Scripture, is male, but there are various points where God has what we might call more effeminate attributes, um, like a mother hen who gathers his chicks, or her chicks, and the sense of Scripture is that males and females together can capture and reflect the fullness of what God is like. And in some ways, what it means to be a male means that you will worship and engage and reflect God through your maleness. You will lead and have dominion through your maleness. You will parent or you will father through your maleness. And equally, females will connect with God in part through their femaleness. They will lead and bring order through their femaleness. They will mother through their femaleness. And it takes both to reflect all of the attributes of God. Both are to be honoured and esteemed. And lastly, we fulfil our purposes as sons and daughters. So, very quickly, what have we been created to do? To reflect God, and you reflect God as a daughter or as a son. You engage and you worship God as a daughter or as a son. Um, we've also been created to, commanded to, multiply and to fill the earth and we do that as fathers and or as mothers uh, we've been created to rule and we will do that in ways that reflect the strengths and the idiosyncrasies of our gender paul puts it like this for we are the temple of the living god what a privileged status that is that we are the place where God dwells and meets with humanity. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And we can hear the echoes of what was going on in the Garden of Eden or God's call to Abram to come out and to dwell with God in the promised land. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean and I will receive you. 
If you want to reflect God, you're actually going to have to be different from the nations. You're going to have to be holy and set apart and come out and be different. And I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. You have been called to be either a son or a daughter in your relationship, in the way that you live, in the way that you parent, in the way that you reflect God. And yet we live in a world that's confused about what it means to be a male or a female or whether or not those categories are even real or constructs. And so that will make it a challenge for us to be sons and daughters of God. Perhaps I can summarise this message in a line from a Hillsong chorus. We'll sing it next week. I am who God says I am. That's what we fundamentally trust, believe and walk in. We are males and females because that's who God says we are. Whereas our culture says, I am who I choose to be. And we want to say, that's not our narrative. That's the counter-narrative. And we will find life trusting in God. Let me pray for us. God, we're conscious that you have asked us to be a light to this nation at this particular point in time. You have entrusted to us the next generation of children who are, we are to raise as sons and daughters of the Most High God. You have asked us to bear witness to what it means for you to be God and for us to carry your image and to display that to this world. And you've also invited us to live amongst the nations where we will hear and we will be influenced by and to some extent we will breathe the air of the culture in which we are. So as we try and distill your truths, your patterns from scripture and as we understand them from nature, God give us wisdom, give us strength, give us courage and we want to know the joy it is to be your creatures designed by you and in relationship with you in the way that you have made us to be. We pray this for your glory. Amen.